Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello, hello, hello everyone. How are you going? How is your corner of the world? I'm loving my corner of the world. It's winter and even though I live in Queensland, which is a very warm state, it's been freezing lately. I've got my heater on even now. I've got my heater on beside me. It's so cozy. Um, I've actually got listeners all around the world, so I'd love to know what is it like weather-wise your part of the world. We live in the, the sunburnt country, they call us. Love Australia. All right. What are we talking about today? Okay, guys, I actually have never considered or thought that I would do a podcast on freedom which is what I want to talk about today, because like, hello, we live in one of the freest countries on the planet, Australia, but I'm watching an acceleration of our freedom being chipped away at the edges. And I've been thinking back also to how historically freedom has not always been around. Freedom has not always been guaranteed. And I want to share a bit of a story today about my nana and pa who actually lived in Holland, in Europe, both my grandparents during World War II. Uh, they lived in a time where freedoms were taken away. And um, and I think maybe that perhaps is another reason why I'm super aware, because I've just heard so many stories from both of my grandparents about what life was like. And I just don't take it for granted that we live so free right now. But I fear that if we don't continue to stand up for our freedoms, that we might lose them. Um, the definition of freedom, have a listen to this. It's the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants. Now, when you consider that to be the definition of freedom, I can absolutely see freedoms being taken away from us right under our nose here in Australia. You think about that. In what ways are the power or right to act how we want, to speak how we want? I did a whole podcast on that last week about pronouns. Or to think as we want, That's not always guaranteed to us anymore. And I think we need to wake up before it's too late. So we are going to talk about freedom today. And it's something that I think we do take for granted, including myself, because our society has been free for a really long time. And I think one of the reasons that I do speak up about all of these things uh, that I do in my podcast is because I can see the edges of freedom starting to crumble and I feel like, well, if I don't say something, then who will? And maybe in me saying something, it will give you the courage in your corner of the world to stand up for freedoms also. You know, I just think of um, some of the things that have happened just in the last 12 months or so, you know, where now, for example, we're told that the color of our skin does matter. That's just that's just foreign to me that the color of our skin does matter. You know, that means to me that the edges of our freedom is crumbling. When we're told that we can be sued for praying for someone who asks us to pray because they're struggling with their sexuality, well, the edges of our freedom are crumbling. When we're told that we need to add um, our pronoun to our email signature, well, that's the edges of our freedom crumbling. 
when a bunch of 13-year-old boys, and this happened in Melbourne just about a month and a half ago, when they are made, coerced, forced to stand up in an assembly and apologize to all of the girls for something they did not do, well, the edges of our freedom are crumbling. Now, people tell me all the time, oh, you're so game, you're, you've got so much courage, I wish I had your courage. Really, Renee, you're saying what we're thinking, how do you stand up to some of the DMs and the comments, but you know, I probably maybe struggled at the start, but I really don't anymore. And I've been thinking about why not a lot lately. And um, I actually said to Cameron the other day, I think I've got some of my Nana in me, um, which really moves me to say so because I love my Nana. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. She passed away about two years ago. But my Nana and Pa hid a Jewish woman in their house in Holland during World War II, right under the literal nose of my Nana's stepfather, who was a German Nazi officer. I stand up because I think I've got some of her in me because it's the right thing to do. Because I know that the people who disagree with me are not my enemy, but I'm actually doing it for them and for all of us. Um, And also because I know that all of these things that I'm seeing in society are not leading to a freer society, but a more unhappy society and more unhappy people. So let's talk about freedom. You know, in the scripture, the whole of scripture is about freedom from cover to cover. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to set us free. Now, God speaks about two lots of freedom in the Bible. It's either internal or external. So you've got the internal freedoms. That's freedoms within ourselves, freedom from internal bondage. But then the Bible also talks a lot about freedom from external bondage. You know, we've just studied the Ten Commandments at our church, and it was, I absolutely loved it. I never thought that I could enjoy the Ten Commandments so much, because we tend to think they're just this 10, you know, rules about how we should live life. It's actually nothing to do with that at all. When you understand what the Ten Commandments actually are, it's absolutely incredible. And what it does is it tells you how much freedom matters to God. Because these commandments were written for a group of people who had been living as slaves. Now, they, when they would have read these Ten Commandments, they wouldn't have seen them as commandments. These were actually statements that would have brought them more freedom than they had ever known in their lives. They were used to their life, their families, their things being taken. They were used to being controlled. And all of a sudden, along comes God and gives these new list of laws that brought these freedom um, brought, brought these people freedoms. And so I don't have time to go into that, but we did a podcast um, series, well, not a podcast series, we did a series on it at our church, but you can always go and listen to that um, public church if you want to. But that's what the Ten Commandments were. It was a bunch of statements that brought freedom to these people who had been slaves. God cares more than anything about our freedom. So I have been watching a Netflix series. I would highly recommend if you've got Netflix that you watch this series. It's not a series. It's it's a documentary. It goes for about an hour and a half and it's called The Last Days. And it's about the Holocaust of the Hungarian Jews during World War II. So basically in the last few months of the war, when Hitler knew that he was losing ground and his days were numbered, instead of putting all of his strength and resource into his military and perhaps lengthening his time in power, instead he turned his last bit of resource and focus 
onto the Hungarian Jews. So up until 1944, they had always, um, Hitler had said that he would leave Hungary alone. He wouldn't invade Hungary. But in those last few months in power, for him, it became about killing as many Hungarian Jews in a short space of time as possible. It's known as the final act of mass murder of the Jews. So the war finished in, I think it was March, 1945, but between May and July of 1944, have a listen to this, four. 134,000 Jews in two months were deported on 147 trains, most of them to a concentration camp that you probably would have heard of before called Auschwitz. And upon arrival, 80% of them were immediately gassed. But what's more disturbing is this. World leaders had known for some time that the Jews were being murdered and tortured in gas chambers. Why? Why didn't governments, journalists, community leaders do more to publicize and disrupt? Why did they let this happen? Now, you can imagine for the Jews in Hungary, they had heard uh, you know, stories of what was happening to the rest of the Jews in Europe, but they either thought that they were rumor, like surely that they, they couldn't be true, and they, they felt safe. And I guess they were a bit complacent. So this documentary interviews five of these Hungarian Jews who were children at the time between the age of about 10 and 16, but now they're in their late 70s and early 80s, and they survived Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Most of them, by the way, had all of their family members killed as well. It was so harrowing. It was moving. I remember I was watching it in bed a couple nights ago. I was like crying. But what struck me most was that even though we are in a completely different time in history... I'm like, have we not learned? Have we not learned from all of those stories and all of those movies? Have we forgotten the lessons about freedom? Because I'm looking at society and even though we're in a completely different time, I'm seeing our freedoms crumbling away again. And so there are six things that I want to say about freedom today. Um, and I'm going to talk a bit more about the documentary, but I also want to share a bit about my my Nana and and. Par, and I hope that what I say inspires you to stand up for freedoms in your part of your corner, in your space of the world. So firstly, let's say this about freedom. Freedom is precious and it can be taken away. And I think that we are forgetting both. I think we're forgetting that freedom and liberty are precious and we have to be careful because they are not guaranteed. They can be taken away, even though that's not happened in our lifetime. I have sat down face to face with all of my grandparents who have told me harrowing stories of a time where they did not have their freedom. And when I heard these elderly people who were the survivors of our switch and what they had to say about how it happened to them, it reminded me this is why I speak up. This is why I speak out. And this is why I'm imploring you to question and to think ahead and to think critically and to be courageous. You know, these people, they said that they went from literally moving completely free and then freedom by freedom by freedom was taken away until there was that mass murder of most of the people that they knew in those last few months. So that's number one, freedom is precious and can be taken away. Number two, 
I want to say that small freedoms, it always starts with small freedoms. And I can see small freedoms being taken away from us in plain sight right now. You know, one of the things that one of these Hungarian um, ladies said was that people often ask her, why didn't you guys speak up? Or why didn't you hide? Or why didn't you run away? There was more of you than what there was of the soldiers. Like, why didn't you turn on them? You know, and she just said, look, the freedoms were taken away slowly and it kind of crept up on them and they didn't take them seriously. The restrictions seemed minor. We just thought that they would blow over. Small freedoms are being taken away from us in plain sight and we don't seem to be taking them seriously. We think they're just minor and they're just small and they're going to blow over and I'm not so sure. I've spoken about so many of these over the past few months. Think about how women have just had the right to compete fairly in the Olympics has just been taken away because in at the moment, just the weightlifting division, there are now um, a transgender woman that can equally compete. That's taking away a freedom from biological women. Or what about our right to believe that the science that there are only two genders? That's being challenged now. I remember what freedom is, the power to speak what we think, to, th- to, to speak what we want, to think what we want. Well, we're not, allowed to, we're not allowed to think anymore that there's only two genders. We're certainly not allowed to say that there's only two genders. I mean, now at the moment, we're not targeted like you know, in a really full-on kind of a way. It's not like our lives are on the line, but it's more of an emotional kind of a way. But how long before we follow other countries like Canada, where it will become illegal to speak up? Another one I spoke about was equity the other week and how to make sure everyone ends up in the same place with equal resource. Well, the only way to do that is if the government starts to legislate, which means they control our lives. And that means they have to take freedoms from some groups to make sure um, they give more to other groups to even up the playing field. What about our right to choose if we want the COVID vaccine? I see that right being taken away. I, I, I'm actually bamboozled about this. I'm, I'm, I just can't believe it. Like everyone should have the right to do what they want. But on Instagram the other day on a government page, it actually said that vaccination is the only way out of the pandemic. That sounds to me like our choice is being taken away. By the way, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just saying that people have the right to choose. Um, I've, I heard, a, I saw an article in the paper the other day talking about vaccine passports between states. So sure, people go, you're allowed to choose. You're not being forced. You don't have to take it. Sure, we can choose not to, but then we're being punished by having our freedoms taken away, like not being able to move between states or get on a plane. I'm literally like, is this Australia we're living in? The country of the home of the, the free Okay, so number three, the third thing. So first thing about freedom, it is precious and it can be taken away. Secondly, um, f- freedoms are lost incrementally or small, small freedoms are taken away at a time. Number three, freedom is lost when we become too afraid to speak. Okay, freedom is lost when we become too afraid to speak. So another thing that stuck out to me in, from the documentary was when the Germans came into the small towns in Hungary, they broke into their homes and they gave them just a few minutes to pack. And then they marched them out to the street to take them away. And the lady who was about 10 at the time, and she was crying as she was remembering this, but she said that when they were marched out onto the street, 
their neighbors and their friends, even other children who, by the way, were her friends at school that she went to school with, people they'd known their whole lives turned on them. So these are obviously the other people in the town that weren't Jewish. They started shouting at them as the soldiers marched them away. They were swearing at them, spitting on them, telling them they were scum and to get out of here. And she said that as a child, she was so confused. How does this happen? Well, those people were too scared to think for themselves. They were not allowed to think for themselves because if they didn't go with the flow of what the authoritarians were doing, and if they didn't go with the flow of what everyone around them was saying, then everyone might just turn on them. You cannot tell me that the friends and the neighbors didn't feel sick to their guts watching their Jewish friends being marched off by their soldiers. You can't tell me they didn't know that it was wrong to hurl abuse at these people who were their friends. You can't tell me that most of them didn't know better. Why didn't they speak up? Well, they were afraid. They were afraid to say what they really thought. They were afraid to act upon what they really thought. And that's a part of the strategy, by the way, when our freedoms are being taken away. You know, I said last week that... um, that this this is kind of the same. This is the this is the what is happening, you know, with the pronouns being added to Instagram. So by by Instagram adding those pronouns, what they're doing is they're telling us they're forcing us to think. We must think that there's more than just the normal pronouns that we've used for hundreds of years. The pronouns that are attached to two genders, and by not using them. We, we're not forced right now, but we are told that we're unwelcoming and not being inclusive. So we're being coerced to use a language and believe a concept that the activists are telling us. The activists have become our authority and they're the ones we must obey or else, no matter our personal opinion. So I bumped into a friend this week and um, she said that she was shopping with her daughter at a local Westfield, not far from my house, and they went to the toilet and there was a man in there. So my friend said, oh, we kind of hesitated thinking, oh, you know, are we in the wrong toilet? And she's looking around like, no, we are in the woman's women's toilet. So she was like, what is this man doing in here? So she told there was a young girl in there cleaning and she told the cleaner, I think this man's mistaken. The cleaner turned on my friend, looked at her in disgust and said, no, he identifies as a woman. My friend was speechless. She's like, Renee, he was, he, he wasn't like even a trans woman. He, he was dressed like a man. He looked like a man. He was like, if you saw past him in a shop, you would just think that is a man. Um, But, you know, she was so mad because she was like, he could be anyone. Now, how he personally identifies is completely his business. But to let him into a bathroom with girls, he could be anyone. That is not okay. Why can't we say that that is not okay? Like, what if, now I'm not saying that this guy did this, but what if someone did that, but really they were a pedophile and they were doing that to get to a victim in the toilet? Like, You think to yourself, oh, you can't restrict people's freedom. Hang on a second. But by not restricting his freedom, I am no longer protecting, we are no longer protecting the little girls that were in the toilet for fear of hurting a trans woman's feelings or worse, because we might be called a bigot. And I'm proud of my friend. She emailed Westfield. And and that's what I'm saying. They're the little things that we need to be doing by saying, this is not okay. 
My nana is an example of what should have happened and how those neighbors back in Hungary should have responded if they were brave. And I'll share her story in just a second. But the fourth thing about freedom. So number one, freedoms are precious and can be taken away. Number two, freedoms are lost in uh, small increments. Number three, freedoms are lost when we're too afraid to speak. And number four, protecting freedom takes character. Okay. Protecting freedom takes character. Imagine if your child came home from school and said, mom, all the kids at school were teasing Jenny today because she was, because she's fat and I didn't tease her mummy. I didn't join in. And what we could say to our child would be, well, that's very moral of you. Good job. But where was your character? And of course our child would be like, what do you mean? Well, why didn't you then tell the other children to stop? Because there's a difference between being moral and having character. Being moral is about not doing the wrong thing. So if your child didn't tease, they're moral. They didn't do the wrong thing. But character is about doing the right thing. And character in that case would be to stick up for her and to tell the other children to stop. See, freedom is having choices. Liberty is doing what's right. Thomas Jefferson said that. So all that's necessary for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. And that's exactly how the Jewish persecution actually happened. Good people did nothing and good people said nothing. Now you might say to me, hey, Renee, come on, what's happening in society is not so bad or it's none of my business. Well, whose business is it then? You know, if people want to identify um, as one of the, or however many of the 78 pronouns, then that's their business, right? Oh, well, what about when it becomes law and you disobey it? What then? Or maybe you might say, but hey, you know, Renee, if people want to transition genders and have puberty blockers and surgery, that's their right. But I say, well, hang on a second, but we know it's become a trend because it's only happening amongst young teenage girls. It's not happening amongst 30-year-olds or 40-year-olds and the medical community is too scared to go against it. So, you know, they're too afraid to say, hey, let's not jump to that diagnosis. Let's look at root causes first. But no, they're afraid to say that because they're afraid of being vilified or, or, or bullied or worse, threatened to lose their medical license. So meanwhile, a generation are maiming themselves while everyone just stands by silent. So I want to talk for just a second about my Nana. My Nana had character. She fought not just for freedom, but for liberty. And um, just before she died, probably two years before she died, I'm like, she's always told me her story, like for years. But I'm like, Nana, and I wish, oh, I can't believe I didn't voice record her. But um, as I sat down with her and I'm like, Nana, can you just tell me everything? Now, my Nana's got a very, very Dutch, thick Dutch accent. And um, even though I asked her a question, she kind of went all over the place. But I just want to read to you some of the notes that I took that day that I interviewed her. Okay, so this is some of what my Nana said. She said that they lived in a small um, a small town in um, a place in Holland called Bennebrook. And then very rarely did raids in their town because it was small. Um, and they would only do ra- raids if someone reported that they thought Jews were hiding there. So they had a Jewish lady living with them. So my Nana and Pa had just been married a few years and they had 
uh, a baby boy at the time, which was my uncle. My dad wasn't born yet. And my Nana said that they had to be alert all day. So this was towards the end of World War II. And she said that anyone could report them. Like if one of their neighbors even knew that they were hiding a Jewish woman, they could report my Nana and Pa. And this is what my Nana said, just completely matter of fact. She said, our whole family would be killed if we were found out. This lady stayed in our house in a little bedroom and she said we had bay windows so we could see people coming and if people came she would quickly hide in her bedroom. This lady's daughter was picked up because she was also hiding in another person's house and someone reported her and she was 16 at the time and they put her in a work camp and they went barefoot in the snow to a factory to work. She said some of them got pregnant from the soldiers and if they couldn't walk they would get the whip. After the war, she was still afraid to go outside and she would say things like, they still have me. Um, My Nana also said that her stepfather was a German soldier high up in the army and he had a car with soldiers and he came past the place where Nana lived, but Nana had been out at the time and she was returning from the shops and she saw this German car parked out the front of her house and she was afraid to go home, but then she realized that it was him and he was bringing her a duck to eat. He came inside. Now, luckily the Jewish lady saw him before he came in and she hid in her bedroom. Everyone thought it was the baby's bedroom. They hid her for the whole last year from the war. And my pa helped the Jews in the underground to escape. Nana said she didn't really know what pa did in the underground, but all she knew is that they were going against the Germans. Um, And she said they would uh, sometimes they'd have to look for a doctor for the Jewish lady, but they had to be very careful who they got because anyone could report you at any time. And she knew that the lady's husband was picked up and was killed. Um, What else did she say? And then she talked about another time when her handbag was stolen and her passport was in it. And she was worried for days because she, if she was picked up, she was worried sick. If she was picked up, then she couldn't prove that she was Dutch. So there are more things my Nana's told me over the years, but, um, you know, my Nana had character, my Nana and Pa, they, they were newly married. They had a baby. Um, her stepfather popped by at any time to, to bring them extra food but they risked being shot on sight. They fought not just for freedom, but for liberty. And um, I'm always so moved when I think about what my grandparents did. And and I really don't know what my grandpa did in the underground, except that he worked most of the time during the war to help the Jews escape. So number five, so four, freedom takes character, I think. Is that what I said? Yeah, protecting freedom takes character. Number five, freedom actually won't happen without conflict. And I think that's one of the reasons we stay away from fighting sometimes for our freedoms is because we don't like conflict. But I think we have to redefine what conflict is. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Okay. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's actually the presence of God in the midst of it. When you've got competing ideologies, which more and more we've got in society, and you have to stand your ground, then you've got to believe for peace in the midst of the battle. You are going to have conflict when you stand up for freedom. So, you know, like I said before, liberty is God's idea. Cover to cover, it's about freedom. Uh, In the Bible, setting captives free. 
You know, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Paul, when he was in prison, wrote that we need to stand fast in the liberty for which Christ set us free. So we need to be educated more on what liberty is, that liberty is not just internal, but it's external. Now, we're told that it's caring It's caring about others, that a lot of these different things that are going on in society, it's really about caring for others. You know, we can't be against, for example, um, we can't be against certain things because we need to show care. So the big one at the moment would be the coronavirus lockdown, that we have to agree to the lockdown because that's caring for others, for us to stay home. I've even seen Instagram posts and signs about that, that staying home is is caring but is it? So for a virus that's 99% survivable in most people, but yes, I do understand that there's more of a risk amongst the elderly, apparently it's more caring to lock down. But hang on a second. Then I think of things like suicide has risen, and we've not been given the stats yet, but I've heard that it's it's drastically increased. Domestic violence has risen. People have lost their businesses. People have lost income. People have died alone. People have had babies alone. What about the children whose only safe place in the day was at school? What about sick people who've had their cancer treatments put off? What about the unemployment rates that have risen? Mental health issues that have gone through the roof? What about people who are living on their own? Like really, it's caring to lock down people who are at minimal risk to create much larger problems in society, but we're not even allowed to question that. You know, the second greatest command is to love our neighbor as ourself. Well, what if what if loving my neighbor means hiding them in my house and risking being shot? What if loving my neighbor means pushing back on a societal trend that's bringing harm, even though the people might not harming themselves might not realizing it yet? I do love my neighbor. You know, when I can't see evidence of things helping young people, in fact, when I'm seeing the opposite, to me, loving my neighbor is speaking out. We think that we're being loving by allowing certain things, but often what's happening is we're helping to create the problem by allowing it, but then we're fishing in the same pool by saying, or the same pond. By telling these very same people, well, come into our spaces, come, you know, come to church and and we'll help you, but maybe we should have done something to stop it in the first place. <sighs> okay, so rights are like muscles. This um, pastor said this, Robert, Rob McCoy, I love him. He says, rights are like muscles. If we don't exercise them, we lose them. All right, number six, the last thing about freedom is freedom takes courage. So we do need courage to stand up for things. You know, we really don't know tough. When I think about what my grandparents went through, I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't know tough. Knowing that you could be, you know, shot on site for standing up for what you believe in is tough. Secretly working in the underground to help the Jews escape is tough. Harboring an enemy of war in your house with a newborn baby and sharing the little amount of rations that you're allowed to have is tough. Losing your passport and knowing if you can't find it, you could go to prison. That's tough. Cowardice is really, um, cowardice is selfish. It's not about you and me, but it's about the people around us. So I just want to finish this chat on freedom. So I've done the six different things about freedom, but I want to finish by opening our eyes to a cycle in history that maybe will just help us wake up a little bit more and will show us that freedom is not always guaranteed. Freedom can be cyclic. 
So if society, if a society gets too free, historically, they uh, become too complacent. So there's a Scottish historian called Robin, uh, Robert Titler, and he calls this the Titler cycle. And he says that uh, bondage, when you're in bondage, that leads to faith. Faith then leads to freedom. Freedom leads to abundance. But then abundance, and I think this is what we're living in now, we're living in a society in a time of abundance. Abundance can lead to apathy. Apathy leads to complacency, and complacency can take us right back into bondage. So I hope that awakens our perspective a a little bit, that freedom can actually lead back into bondage if we get complacent and we just accept, uh, just think that freedom is always going to be there. There's a pervasive cycle in history. There's another great quote that I think says this even better. Think about this one. Hard times create strong men and women, of course. And I think about the war. That's true. I think about how the war created, you know, my nana and pa, they were tough. They were strong. Hard times create strong men and women. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. Just think about that for a minute. I just think that's incredible and so true. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. And again, I think our society has been in a really good time. And I think these good times have created weaker people who are complaining and whinging about everything. And unfortunately, weak people will create hard times. And then that means the loss of freedom. Another quote by D.H. Lawrence, which I think is great, is men fight for liberty and win it with hard knocks. Their children then brought up easy, let it slip away again, poor fools, and their grandchildren are once more slaves. So again, there's just so many things. You can look back in history and so many quotes that are all saying the same thing. Don't take freedom and liberty for granted because if you become complacent, if we become complacent, it can soon be lost again. And I'm seeing it slipping away slowly. So whatever you can do in the space that you occupy, go do it. You know, when I bumped into my friend the other day and she was chatting with me and then she listened to the podcast and that's when she went and emailed the the Westfield and I'm like, good for you. We need to stand up in our small part of the world. Um, And I, by the way, am not a person that likes conflict by nature. I'm I'm not someone that would speak out in by nature. But I even, um, you know, even Izzy the other week was saying to me, oh my gosh, how can you stand it when people come come up at you. And I'm like, I, it, it literally truly doesn't worry me. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like people not, you know, um, not liking me or whatever, but another part of me is like, I understand freedom. And I understand that certain things that, um, people are doing, they don't even realize that what they're doing is, is leading them the opposite direction to freedom. And I'm so convinced of that. I'm so convinced that a lot of what I'm seeing is not bringing freedom, particularly to young people. It's bringing more harm and people can't see it just yet. Some can, there are some that can, and they're the ones standing up and being vilified for it. But if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. And I just hope that especially young people, if you are listening, and I know I have really big chats with our academy um, students all the time about standing up for the truth, because the truth, and again, that's scripture, the truth is what sets us free, God's truth. 
Um, and look, I know when you're, you know, for example, my Nana must have felt like her little contribution was tiny, that she was helping one woman when six million were being, um, you know, vilified. She might have felt like her little bit didn't count. But you ask that one lady whose life she saved, it's never nothing. And so I just want to encourage you that whatever you can do in your part of the world, and we do it because we love people and because we want our society to continue to live free. So there you go. Anyway, um, I hope that maybe this week there's something that you can do in your corner, your space of the world. So I want to encourage you, have courage. So have a great week and um, I look forward to being back with you on Friday for our parenthood episode. I'll see you then, guys. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.